Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Crusher. I'm your host, Josh Brewster. Hope you had a wonderful holiday season, wonderful Hanukkah, wonderful Christmas, wonderful New Year's. I am back in action, and today I am very happy and uh, very, very proud to be joined by Lori Lowenthal Marcus. She is the legal director of The Deborah Project, and we have a lot to talk about today because the treatment of uh, Jewish students on our campuses and uh, the reaction of people in the streets toward Israel and often the Jewish people in general has been uh, coming to the fore of late. There is so much to talk about, uh, but I'll start off by welcoming Lori Lowenthal Marcus to The Crusher. Lori, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Josh. It's a pleasure to be with you. Lori, I'm going to start uh, with a piece that you wrote in the Jewish Journal recently. And I'm going to start with one line, because I think this is the line that made me pick up the phone and call you. It is no longer enough to me smug about the strongly worded letter to the editor, or the public condemnations, or the retreat to hand-wringing in chat groups. It is time for Jews to take the legal gloves off and demand respect for their people and security for themselves and their children. So let's begin right there. And why don't we start by talking about the universities? Obviously, we have a big situation with uh, Claudine Gay stepping down, stepping back to her only $900,000 a year salary uh, at Harvard. But uh, you, you wrote uh, about Jewish civil rights in general. We can talk about universities. We can talk generally about what's going on, uh, but let's let's start with civil rights as pertains to Jews uh, in in this country. Right. So it's not something that's typically thought of uh, civil rights and Jews as the recipient, as the holders of those rights. It's more uh, throughout our history has been Jews marching on behalf of others for the civil rights of others. And that's a good thing. But for some reason, I have found that Jews are far more reluctant to come out in the open and demand the same level of respect and rights that are afforded other groups in America. And so I believe it is time for that to change. It has to change. We encounter a lot of reluctance. What we do here, Josh, is a lot of complaints and concerns and some level of great emotion about anti-Semitism on the campuses and in the public school classrooms. What is a lot more difficult is to encourage people who are encountering discrimination because they're Jews to come forward and make the demands that it stop, whether you're asking the administrators of the university, the heads of the department, the teacher, the professor in the classroom, or the superintendents in K through 12, the teachers in K through 12, et cetera. I have just heard such rhetorics reticence, excuse me, um, in terms of advocating for ourselves. And so I have spent uh, several years in this field, 
Um, and it may have gotten better because it got so much worse after October 7th. I do see many more Jews realizing, okay, we, we have to do something about it. This is really serious. Uh, that's one of the very few silver linings to the horrors of October 7th. Well, you know, the words any other minority seems to be coming out of my mouth a lot these days. As you point out, and we saw happening at Cooper Union in New York, as you write here, I'm just going to paraphrase, the, the, we have Cooper Union staff did nothing to dispel protesters. Uh, they barricaded the Jews inside of this uh, the library at the Cooper Union. And as you write, stunningly, the Jews were offered the quote-unquote opportunity to hide in the library's attic. At MIT, and we saw these congressional hearings, it was a monstrosity, thank God, for Stefanik up in New York. Uh, there are MIT, MIT tells Jews, uh, oh, there's parts of the campus that you're not going to be safe in. So again, any other minority, Lori, any other minority, uh, they would, they would act. And, and uh, let's talk, let's talk about that aspect here. Uh, Jews in this country have got to stand up and fight, Lori. Yes, they do. And it's, this has been an issue for a very long time. I remember years ago talking to a friend, a former friend. Uh, we were driving to an event, and I was reading in the backseat of the car about the terrible things that were happening in Israel. And this former friend turned around and said to me, Lori, the Jews have been around for 2,000 years. They're going to be around for another 2,000 years. And I said, yes, that's true, because there will be people like me standing in front of the people like you. And that he didn't go over very well. But I think probably at this point, which is close to two decades later, people in that position are beginning to see the reasons why we needed to stand up for ourselves. And we still need to recognize that, you know, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I, but I do think in some ways the Jewish people are suffering from collective PTSD from the millennia of persecution. And so we're used to keeping our heads down, we, you know, in general, keeping our heads down, not making a lot of noise and trying to be liked. Well, it doesn't work when people yeah. are trying to kill you or telling others that it's okay for people to kill you. And that is actually really, truly what's happening. Um, I don't think many Jews refused to stop saying all lives matter when blacks were saying black lives matter and people were responding with all lives matter. They were told, stop saying that. It's about us right now. It's not about you. And so I really think that when we say now, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, we hear you're talking about the extermination yeah. of the Jewish state. Don't tell me you don't mean that. 
because what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It is time for us to say in the same way, it's what we are hearing. And there's a basis for it. Just look at the maps. Yeah. Well, yeah. First of all, one of the only things that has happened that has come to the fore since uh, October 7th that I, I think has been any kind of a positive is that people have had to confront this line from the river to the sea. I've been saying this for decades and people are always like, Oh no, they don't really want to kill you all. They want to have a negotiation. Uh, if they just had better leadership, but, but you know, it, it's all nonsense. And, and uh, I just, from the river to the sea being discussed is at least at least something has moved forward. But yeah. let's talk, I mean, let's talk, you're an attorney. I mean, I, I can talk about, I remember this book, The Oslo Syndrome, Delusions <laughs> of a People Under sea, Siege by Kenneth yeah. Levin, I think was, was his name. Yes, and, yes. And he, he talked about, I'll just- Florian and a psychiatrist. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just veer off to this for a second. He said, do you know that when the 1993 quote-unquote peace deal was signed, Okay. That Arafat went to the uh, the Arab press and said the plan of phases is still in effect, which means we're going to wipe out all the Jews. This is just mm -hmm. another step in the plan of phases. And 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 a lot of yeah. us Jews, Lori, a lot of the Jews who wanted this to, this peace deal to happen, blinders on. And and I think that willful blindness, Lori. Let's talk about our, our fellow tribesmen for a moment. I think willful blindness is very much a part of the Jewish story for the last, let's say, 50 years. Willful blindness. What do you think of that? Well, I think it, it goes back further than that. Why didn't the Jews leave you know, Germany? What were they doing saying, oh, it's fine. They're not going to get us. I'm a good Jew. I'm the kind of Jew they like. I don't worship. I don't observe. I don't wear those funny hats. So I think it's been around for a really long time, and it is, um, in some sense, it's a level of guilt about success, uh, and and now we're really getting hit with the result of that because indeed, Jews are considered, as you know, Josh, privileged. We're the oppressors, and if. Jews are overrepresented in certain professions and uh, socioeconomic levels. It's because we took it from the others. There's no other explanation. Because well, Marx Laurie, that's Marxism. Yes, it is. And, and people don't want, listen, when you say Marxism, people say, oh, you're a McCarthyite. I, I'm not a McCarthyite. I know the difference between Democrat and liberal and Marxist. Okay, yeah. you know what I mean, Laurie? Like, I know what the difference is, but when I hear oppressor and oppressed, that's Marxism. That's what it is. It is Marxist-Leninist worldview. It's taken from the Third World Liberation Front, and the Black Panthers joined together and created a whole new study. This ethnic studies is a nightmare. Being in California, you know how serious it is. It has infiltrated colleges. It is infiltrating K through 12 schools. And it isn't, when I first heard the term ethnic studies, seemed to me like a great idea. Why right. wouldn't you want to learn about sure. 
the history and culture of the ethnicities, other ethnic groups with whom, you know, you share a community. But that isn't what it is. It really is very much oppressor oppressed. White is bad. I have heard from parents. I'm not making this up. I couldn't make it up. Parents of children who say they wish they weren't white. They're ashamed to be white. And another said said the same thing. Why do we speak English instead of Spanish, which was the first language in this area? What's, you know, they're ashamed because they've learned that. The campuses have been a real problem for 20 years at least. Really a, a nightmare for Jews, but it has gotten dramatically worse. And there are still, again, I feel like we're beating up the victim here. I don't want to blame the Jews uh, for what's happening, but I do think we need to recognize the role that we've played in not standing up for ourselves. And it's a very complicated um, response and difficult to move our people forward um, with respect to dealing with serious anti-Semitism. Yeah, well, no, you're absolutely right. So now, listen, you're, you're an attorney. Let's talk about the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And why don't you tell me why uh, it's important to Jews? Uh, you know, it, it's, look, it, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this. This is going to sound, well, this is, I like a little humor in the proceedings here. The Jews should call Al Sharpton. Hire Al Sharpton. If you you know, I mean, he's enraging anti-Semite, but hire him. He'll at least show you how to get out on the street and stand up for yourself. I mean, you know, we have a Civil Rights Act of 1964. And again, any other minority would be out there in your face saying this is not acceptable. So setting aside my uh, attempt at humor, tell me about the Civil Rights Act of 1964 as pertains to the Jewish people. Actually, it's complicated. It's not as straightforward. I mean, (laughs) Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, Title VI covers education, discrimination in education. But for some reason, religion is not a protected class under Title VI. So it has been hard to bring Title VI claims about anti-Semitism. There has been some forward movement by putting Jews into the categories of shared ancestry and ethnicity. Those are protected classes. And for Israelis, you have national origin is also a protected class, which means you are entitled to the protection of this statute, this anti-discrimination statute. So it it actually is a little difficult to push forward using that uh, tool. However, there are lots of other tools, state anti-discrimination laws, almost all of which, almost probably all of which do include religion and uh, lots of other categories, as you can imagine. I mean, in California, <laughs> it's like everything is covered. 
so there are state and local laws which are very strong. It's still important to keep pushing on Title VI and trying to uh, have Jews be covered, but we have had a really hard time in the courts on this issue. Um, there was a lot of forward movement because of Donald Trump, and his administration was much more welcoming uh, to Jews bringing these actions. The Biden administration, shockingly, the Department of Education, which I really feared would not be helpful, has recognized uh, national origin and ethnicity and shared ancestry as categories which cover uh, anti-Semitism. So that's, I don't know if that was too much of a law lecture. No, not at all. It is helpful. No. The other the other issue that we have, Josh, is what we're seeing on the campuses and in the school public schools and everywhere is this new kind of anti-Semitism, which is anti-Zionism, anti-hatred of the Jewish state. And it certainly bleeds out, literally, over to the Jewish people. But there has been reluctance, and believe me, the Muslim activists, I see the academic activists, are pushing very hard against including anti-Zionism as a form of anti-Semitism. No one is saying any criticism of the state of Israel or the government of Israel is anti-Semitic, but it's very easy to figure out. It really is not too complicated to figure out when something is not just a criticism of a policy or a government. So that's another area where we really have to push. Well, let me, let me ask you there, because I think there's a hole in our education system amongst other holes. Uh, And, and I think as Jewish people, we have to take responsibility for some of this is that I think we've done a terrible job teaching Israeli history Jewish history in on that land, which is thousands of years, and not only to the general public, but to our, our own kids. And our yes. kids are being educated by people who have come from completely anti-Zionist perspectives, often anti-Semitic perspectives. You're talking generations now of people who really don't know. They don't know who Theodore Herzl was. They don't know that the, about the massacre in 1929 in Hebron. They don't know that Jews have been on that land forever. They don't know that there's more Jews in Jerusalem than uh, throughout history than probably any other group. They they don't you know they don't know. I'm talking even before the Balfour Declaration. I'm talking they don't know Israeli history before there was an Adolf Hitler. Right. No, any no, of this. You're absolutely and, 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 and Lori, right. I guess and it's two what things I'm asking you. Know, Please continue. What, what, I, what I'm saying, Lori, is we haven't taught our American Jewish kids enough oh, of this. Yeah. And the the, uh, the educational system has taught them basically nothing about Israeli history. And I think that uh, I think that we're kind of happy to be in America and everything's going to be great as long as I got tickets to the Lakers and I got cable television and I got whatever tchotchkes I bought for Christmas and Hanukkah where everything's going to be fine. Uh, we haven't taught Israeli history, and I'm talking before there even was an Adolf Hitler. Right. So there, we haven't taught Jewish history. We haven't taught the history of the Middle East. 
we haven't even taught modern Israeli history because I will tell you, I speak with parents all the time. Since the second week of October, I have been on the phone and on the computer almost around the clock, day in and day out, except for Shabbat. Um, And so many don't realize that Palestine is not a country and never was a country. And so they know that there's a problem, but they don't quite understand what it is. They know they're being attacked, but they don't have the facts. So yes, and and what is being taught is that the Jewish presence in the land of Israel began in 1948, and Zionism began at the end of the 18th century. Um, and instead of knowing, you know, we the Deborah Project brought a lawsuit in federal court in Los Angeles in May of 22. And we have pages about the centrality of Zionism, Zion, as a foundational belief of Judaism. Doesn't mean every person who is Jewish believes him or herself to be a Zionist, but it is a foundational aspect of Judaism. And ask anybody who's gone to a Jewish wedding, have you ever seen a Jewish wedding where they don't, you know, smash the glass, destroying the temple, or been to a Seder where you don't say at the end, next year in Jerusalem, or look at the calendar, like every holiday centers around Jerusalem and the land of Israel. It's and if you're observant every prayer three times a day, you're praying for Jerusalem. And when you go and uh, visit a family who's lost someone, you know, it's just, it really is central. So hearing from so many people in positions of authority in education who insist anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. Zionism is completely separate from Judaism. How dare you? Yeah, it's not. Well, yeah, no, it, it's very simple. I've, I've, I've talked to people who said, well, Josh, you know, I'm not a Zionist. I said, well, do you think Israel has the right to exist? They said, of course I think Israel has the right to exist. You're a Zionist. Congratulations, right. you're a Zionist. That's all. End the conversation. Let, let's talk right. about your work with the Deborah Project. Now, uh, the Deborah Project started, I'm reading here from uh, some of your material, started in 2016 with a case mm-hmm. representing members of the American Studies Association. Uh, why don't you tell me something about that? Okay, so what happened in that case is the American Studies Association, which is an academic association, all professor or mostly most professors who teach in the Department of, Acti- of um, American Studies are members of this association. And it was essentially there was a hostile takeover by pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel academics for the sole purpose of passing a boycott, divestment, and sanctions resolution by the association, which they did. They passed it. But it turns out that there were some faculty members who were very much bothered by this. And 
wanted to bring a lawsuit. Um, a lawsuit was brought, and it unfortunately, sadly, bizarrely, is still going up and down the courts even now. But the way it was attacked, this um, this BDS resolution and this hostile takeover, is they didn't follow corporate. They the the uh, pro-Palestinian activists didn't follow the rules. You know, they counted votes as if it was two-thirds when it wasn't quite two-thirds. They closed voting. Uh, you know, just think about the nightmare that's happening in our own in uh, national elections. But this uh, is something that happened in the American Studies Association. But the amazing thing about law <laughs> is if you get past the threshold motions, the motions to dismiss or summary judgment, the next step is where you get discovery. And discovery is this magic land where each side really gets to ask the other side pointed questions and ask for documents. And if you write it clearly and carefully enough, the other side, mind-blowingly enough, will turn over what you've requested. And what we found in discovery was emails, you know, from these people taking over saying, one person wrote, uh, should we tell the other members that we're doing this to pass BDS resolution? Oh, no, we shouldn't tell them that. Um, I mean, all kinds of amazing material. People uh, treat email as if they're just speaking. They don't realize how... Traceable. It's all discoverable. Traceable it is. It's all yes. discoverable. So, it's all... Yeah. Yeah. No, Lori, let me, let me venture into this because uh, I think it's very important work. Uh, I've heard of an organization. I wish I was better acquainted. But I've heard of, of an effort, an initiative called uh, Z Street, and I wanted <laughs> you to tell me about that and um, what it is up to and what it was, what it is about. So I started Z Street, and I named it Z Street because Zionism had become a dirty word, and I wanted to reclaim it. Z Street, also a play on J Street which had oh. started. Oh, yes. Got to love J Street. <laughs> well, when J Street With folks started, like J Street, we don't really need enemies, do we, Lori? <laughs> Jewish people don't need enemies. If you got J Street, you got all and the enemies you so need, right? there are so many even more extreme now. J Street is closer to the center than some of these other really horrendous, don't even ever pretend to be pro-Israel. But uh, I was outraged that there were more and more organizations going further and further to the left, and J Street was immediately invited into the White House for meetings. And that was it for me. I said, "Yeah, okay, this isn't yeah. going to happen. So we started, when I say we, I mean me, started Z Street. It was actually, I started it by writing an article. That's how I launched it about the need for proud Jews and Zionists to stand up and start fighting. This is in 2009. 
And uh, within two weeks of that article being published, we had heard from people from 26 different states and countries all over the world saying, yes, yes, I've been waiting for this. Where have you been? Come on, let's go. So that was Fantastic. In fact, there was someone from Gibraltar. I didn't even realize that was so. But, but this is J Street, or I'm sorry, Z Street is uh, it's it's um, it's to attract uh, young people, right? Are you students, K through twelve? Um, University, no, everybody, everybody, everybody. I wanted, and we heard from people all across the spectrum, and it was important. One, well, I'll get to that later. What happened though? with this in huge response to this concept was uh, we filed for 501c3 tax exempt status with the Internal Revenue Service. Okay, we filed in, I think, December, the end of December, or May, we got some questions we had to answer. Okay, by July, we were still waiting to hear. And we thought that was odd. So I had the corporate nonprofit law person who had filed the documents. I asked, please, to contact the agent in charge of our file and find out what's going on. You know, is there something else they need? The agent, the IRS agent, told our lawyer that they, the agents, IRS agents, had been told to give special scrutiny to any organization connected to Israel and that some organizations connected to Israel, their files were being sent to Washington, D.C. to see if their views, those org- the views of those organizations contradicted the views of the Obama administration. Josh, the lawyer took notes and she sent me an email and I happened to be in Israel at the time when I received the email and I opened it and I said, oh my God. My husband, who's also a lawyer, said, what? What is it? And I said, I, I can't believe I am in America. And I read this email and he looked at me. He said, "We have to sue." I said, "Damn right, we have to sue." Yeah. That's outrageous. Yes. Nobody, you don't stop yeah. any benefits because of someone's thoughts. <laughs> well, now they do. So, tell me what what was the result of of this? The result of it ultimately was seven and a half years of litigation. Seven and a half to this, years to this day. No, no. No, it it ended this the lawsuit started in August of 2010. Wow. And it was finally resolved, but believe me, a new organization that is distracted for that length of time, it just lost all its legs. Well, wait a minute. So that so that went through the entire Obama years and only into the Trump years was it settled. Is that correct? That is correct. Wow. Okay. That is correct. All right, where, okay, quickly, because I want to hit a couple quick things before I finish with you. What is the status of Z Street now, and where can people find Z Street? Because they should. Well, they, they really can't. It, I'm now, this is a new incarnation. The, the, Deborah the Deborah Project. Project, okay. It is. 
because we are still fighting the same fight. We are still demanding that our rights be respected, that Zionism is not a dirty word, that to be an anti-Zionist is to be, for the most part, an anti-Semite. Okay, so then let me ask you this, uh, Lori. Uh, what, What is the reaction of have you gotten any reaction or any interest from any major Jewish congregations or major Jewish organizations? Do you, do you get any traction with any of the major Jewish organizations? How familiar are you with major Jewish organizations? Uh, pretty familiar. Well, listen, uh, pretty familiar. Although I will tell so- you that, let me tell you my disdain, my disdain for the way that, uh, American Jews, um, uh, the way that American Jews have turned a blind eye to what I see so clearly, I, I ignore. I, Laurie, I ignore. And one of the reasons you're here today is because I, I just, I, I've given up on so many of my fellow tribesmen, Laurie. I hate to say it. I, I, I hate to say it. Look, there's a place. There's something that is positive about what they do, but it isn't this. And no one should rely on the legacy organizations to respond in this way. And in fact, I will tell you, Josh, that when we brought, we're about to bring litigation against this vile, really vile anti-Semitic curriculum, which was coming into the K through 12 schools, we were told by Jewish organizations and Jewish legislators not to do it. And we said, we understand your position, but we are going to do it. They got nasty. Well, Lori, I'll tell you what, look, I'm 57. I don't ask a lady her age, but I'm 57. And I try to tell everybody I know, the, the organizations that you hold dear, I won't even, I won't even name them. The organizations that my parents held dear that meant so Mm -hmm. much to them. And I'm going to include the Democratic Party in that. They have changed their stripes. I don't know what they're thinking anymore. Uh, I, a lot of these things, these are we're we're relying on old uh, old Bubba Mainzes, and we're not <laughs> dealing with what's real, Lori. And and, and I, I just it's a delusion. There's just so much delusion that I, I just God bless the Jewish people, but. They're, I'm just let down all the time. I'm let down all the time. Okay, but then there are some newer groups who are fighting hard. Tell me about and them. Tell me about them. Okay. So, for example, the Amcha Initiative. That is an organization in California that does tremendous amount of very serious research and calls to arms when things are happening. They're also focused on education. Uh, they don't do litigation, but they do very good research. They've really been watching the University of California system, trying to prevent ethnic studies from permeating every aspect of education and the lives of Californians. Uh, so that they're unabashed. They really are fighting anti-Semitism. Uh, there's something called Emmet. Uh, Endowment yeah. for Middle East Truth. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. They're wonderful. Camera has been around yes. for quite a while, and they are doing tremendous work. And in fact, 
they camera now has an education institute and they're doing trainings on anti-Semitism. And I'm thrilled to be able to recommend them because when I hear some of the other organizations are giving trainings, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, what are they telling students? What are they telling adults about anti-Semitism? We know it's just about the hard right. That's all they want yeah, to talk that's, about. That's one of the big delusions uh, is that they they continue to think that the left is their friend. This is insane. Uh, it's completely insane. But I will insane. tell you, Josh, let me yeah. just interrupt no, you for, on this. I have been very happy to see in my many, many, many conversations with California Jewish parents over the last several months. Yeah. Eyes are slowly opening. Okay. Good. And people are saying, I thought these were my allies. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. yeah. I am speaking to faculty on campuses who describe themselves as progressive, but cannot understand why their former so-called allies are calling for their the extermination of their people. I am seeing a, a movement. So that's that's yeah. a good no, thing. No, that listen, that is a good thing. And, and you look, where are the feminists? Why doesn't Michelle Obama say something about the women that were raped and dragged through the streets? Uh, where is the Democratic Party? Why is the squad uh, the way they are, you know? So it, it, there's things that are that are coming No, no, no. It's no, okay. still mostly awful. <laughs> Lori, let, let's let's do this. Um touch touch very quickly here because I'm going to wrap up here, but touch very quickly on K through 12, what we're seeing there. And then I want to talk to you about the Deborah project before we go out. So tell me a little bit about K through 12, because uh, this is very important. Okay. So K through 12 is uh, the next great battlefield. Um, we saw Elise Stefanik really reveal the mindset of the elite camp college campuses in America, what they're thinking. They really, <laughs> they have to wait until someone yep. commits genocide before they recognize it might be bullying. Um, so that was, that was amazing. But in K to 12, you know, in California, in San Francisco, there were walkouts for, walkout for Gaza after October 7th, chanting from the river to the sea, Posters in the hallways in public schools, black background, big white letters, and the genocide. Kids are being told, to, Jewish kids are being told, your people are committing genocide of brown people. That's what's happening in K through 12. It's in Los Angeles and that air, whole area, and boy, is it in spades. In the Bay Area. What about the curriculum, though? Because we've had some battles over curriculum. Tell me about that, because we're going to have another it's, generation of, of people who, who hate Israel. And Oh, the curriculum, which is what we brought the lawsuit yeah, about yeah. in May of 22, this ethnic studies is vile. It's, look, on the one hand, it is incredibly anti-American, anti-capitalist, anti-nuclear family. Setting up divisions, you're either an oppressor or an oppressed. And they're teaching this very proudly. It is in the classrooms. 
It's on the websites. Look and see, people. Parents, look at the materials that your kids are bringing home or ask your kids what they're hearing from the teachers because they are hearing. The teachers' unions are really pushing this. Horrible. They're horrible. They are the vehicle. They're not the source of the information, but they are the vehicle through which it is coming into the schools. And if parents aren't willing to make a huge fuss and say in response to the principals who say, oh, well, that's protected by the First Amendment because I checked with legal. I hear this over and over again. Bullshit. That is bullshit. Their right. teachers, public school teachers, do not have free speech rights in the classroom. Nobody knows that. And so when the principals, you know, it's like holding up, you know, well, look, <laughs> some. Well, what, well, Lori, let me interrupt you. One of the things people don't under, amongst things they don't understand, uh, you do not have to give a soapbox. You can take your hate speech out to the street corner if you want, but you can't. I, I don't have to permit it here. Because if I was saying this about blacks, Latinos, anybody, I, I would throw you right out. And and, th- and and no, I'm not obligated to give you a soapbox to scream about how much you hate black people or Latino people. So you can't say it about Jews. You can't say it about Jews. Yeah. And in the curriculum, uh, there's you know I, I, I shudder to think. Uh, we talked about uh, what they know about Israeli history or Jewish history. Okay, let's let's and I'll, and I'll tell you, I'll make a comment. I always like to say, uh, choose. Look, folks, it's either equality or it's equity. You can't have both. And this push for equity is something, Lori, that Americans they don't understand it. They don't right. understand the difference between equality and equity. Uh, so, 100%. tell me where we find the Deborah Project, and we're going to get out of here. Okay, www deborahproject.org find it there you can contact me through that site you can see what we're doing although i've been as i said working around the clock so we're not 100 up to date but uh, reach out to us allow us to help choose who are dealing with these issues and we will help you Lori lowenthal marcus the deborah project i thank you for everything you do and thank you for joining me on the crusher today Thank you, Josh.